First Kings chapter three, if you would please. I'd like to thank the church, pastor, for the invitation, church, for receiving us. It really means a lot to me how y'all treat us. We've been studying through Second John, and we just finished up Second John about greeting the elect sister with the sister, elect sister, greet thee. Uh, it means a lot how the people of I'm God treat one another, to the and I do appreciate that, and also appreciate how you've treated the folks that we travel here. I would say that I bring you greetings from Sovereign Grace Baptist Church in Silsby, Texas, but they sit right in here, so so they say hello. Um, quick quick word about jury duty. Last year I was uh, called for jury duty, and I feel they've had a questionnaire, and I filled it out. Sovereign Grace Landmark Missionary Baptist Pastor, and I was selected for jury duty. So, yeah. May the Lord be with you, either way. First Kings chapter 3, you know, we're not talking about cutting babies in half this morning, and we're not talking about the Lord granting wisdom. That's not what we're talking about. So what are we talking about? Well, it's the first few verses of First Kings chapter 3 that sometimes do not get spoken about. If you would, please read with me. And Solomon made affinity with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and took Pharaoh's daughter and brought her into the city of David until he had made an end of building his own house and the house of the Lord and the wall of Jerusalem round about. Only the people sacrificed in high places because there was no house built unto the name of the Lord until those days. And Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of David his father. Only he sacrificed and burnt incense in high places. And the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place. A thousand burnt offerings did Solomon offer upon that altar. We'll be speaking on the uncomfortable subject this morning of spiritual blind spots. Spiritual blind spots. We can read through those first few verses and see quite a bit that Solomon was doing right, can't we? And we all oh, we want to jump in there and say, oh man, praise the Lord, hallelujah. But there are several blind spots that Solomon had here in a spiritual sense. What is a blind spot? We think we know. You know, we think we know. I don't know if you all have noticed that we're out there in that 12-passenger van. And they've got the regular mirror, and then they've got this little extra mirror that gives an extended view because you can't see around and near and behind and all that kind of stuff on that van, or at least I can't see around heads. Um, it's, it's may the Lord use his word today that we would see our blind spots truly and, and in a God-honoring way. Amen. In a functional way. You know, Brother Randy, you're, you're a driver. Those mirrors aren't for looks. They're functional, aren't right, they? Right, right. And we have blind spots. I have blind spots. This message, I don't speak as one that has arrived. This message kicked me in both knees at, and for, as, the, as this was being prepared. So please please hear it from that perspective. First, we will touch on the good things that, that Solomon uh, was into, the good things that Solomon was doing here. You see, it says that Solomon loved the Lord, didn't it? Look at that verse 3. Solomon loved the Lord. That's what the Word of God says. It says Solomon loved the Lord. I can say I love the Lord, but the Word of God says that Solomon loved the Lord. And that, right. that truly is to have a, an affection toward uh, the Lord, Jehovah, the God of Israel, the covenant God of Israel. I believe he understood quite a bit, even before his 
granted superior wisdom of who the Lord was. I believe if you go back into 1 Kings chapter 2 when David said to Solomon, show yourself a man, and he gives them this, this litany, this list of things that he is to be doing as the prospective king there of Israel, that Solomon had a wonderful idea of who the Lord was, and it was playing out in his life. Thank God that God grants it unto sinful men to love the Lord. That's an, an amazing testimony. It really is. It also says that Solomon walked in the statutes of David. I made mention of those things that David said. Go, go back to 1 Kings chapter 2, if you would. And it says in verse 1, Now the days of David drew nigh that Solomon should die. And he charged Solomon his son, saying, Now if you, if you compare this to what Solomon said in the book of Proverbs about what his daddy taught him, compare it to this passage, Solomon knew by the grace of God quite a bit about who the Lord is, who he was as a sinful, defiled man, and also expected behavior of a child of God born again under grace. I go all the way of all, I go the way of all the earth. Why? Because he was a sinner. That was nothing new to Solomon or David. Be strong, therefore, in the Lord, and show thyself a man. And keep the charge of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes and his commandments and his judgments and his testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses, that thou mayest prosper in all that thou doest, and whithersoever uh, thou turnest thyself, that the Lord may continue his word which he spake concerning me, saying, If thy children take heed to their way, to walk before me in truth with all their heart and with all their soul, and there shall not fail thee, said he, a man on the throne of Israel. So David, following after those things, it, it does say he's walking in the statutes of David, his father. What an amazing testimony. Uh, just obedient to his dad, but obedient unto his father in the Lord. Wonderful. He showed himself a man. He behaved himself a man. Even in humility, you could read later in chapter 3, he admitted in humility that he was but a child. And, and he didn't perceive himself qualified for that office. Yet he still did show himself a man up to this point. It says that Solomon offered burnt offerings upon the altar. And these offerings, I don't believe it was just a, a checking a box of religion. I believe that, that Solomon saw Messiah in those sacrifices. That he saw that they pointed to Christ. He saw his need, his sinfulness, his depravity. He depended not on those sacrifices, but what those sacrifices represented in that Levitical priesthood era. He, he believed those things. He relied on the Lord, and he showed it in the type of those offerings. What a testimony. You know, we could say as the children of God that we do, we could say that we love the Lord. You can say you love the Lord. I can say I, 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 I love him. And, but what a testimony it would be that, that others say, man, I don't, believe, I don't believe what that guy believes, but he sure loves his God. Wouldn't that be a testimony? A testimony of walking in the statutes. Maybe people of today, they, they've got new ideas and new rules, and, and it's a new America and new, new guidelines to live by. And that guy is crazy, but he sure, he sure walks after the pattern of what his book says, that book he carries around. Boy, I don't believe that there was a man, uh, uh, maybe one would say, of you. I, that, that's crazy to say that, that there is a God and that he came in the flesh and he died for this. That, that's crazy, but that guy believes it and he sure lives like him. What a testimony Solomon had. And in these things, it would be very possible for someone to have such a testimony to get puffed up in. And I speak to loved ones. 
It, it would be very possible. I'm, I'm going to borrow that imaginary mirror over here. It's very possible I can convince myself, oh, well, I've got it down. I have arrived. I'm doing it. May God help us that our spiritual blind spots would be exposed. We're not going to see anything new here. What were his spiritual blind spots? Look in verse 1. Verse 1, it says, And Solomon made affinity with Pharaoh, king of Egypt. That word affinity means he made a treaty. He made a truce. There's an alliance. Well, what was Egypt to the children of Israel but the place that they were delivered out of? A picture of this present world. Is that a blind spot for any of us? I'll say, let me reward that. Is it as much of a blind spot for you as it is for me? This world has so many entanglements, doesn't it? When people strike treaties, they usually benefit somehow. How can I negotiate to, to come out ahead on this thing? Solomon was negotiating with Egypt, and, and yes, he was going to be building and doing and resources and all that kind of stuff, but what payoff is worth making affinity with this present world? Which one of those things is going to be accounted to you as treasury in eternity, child of God? Solomon drew near with Egypt. And how at all is that justified? How is it all justified that I that I, I create a blind spot for myself and the way I live and the life I live and for my family even? How, how would that be justified? An area where a person's view is obstructed, blocked, hindered, or prevented intentionally or otherwise. You see, I rented that van on purpose, didn't I? I rented a van to hold people in it that I wanted to travel to be with y'all. What if I intentionally rented a van that didn't have mirrors on it? You'd think I was some kind of psycho, wouldn't you? And that would be right. How are the people of God justified before God in striking treaties and alliances with this present world? It says, if you turn with me in the, in the book of James, and this is uncomfortable, I know it is, but... I don't want you to crash into something either, right? James chapter 4 and verse 4. Ye adulterers and adulteresses. Who's he talking to? He's talking to children of God. Know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Why not the enemy of God? Well, who are your friends? Who are you benefiting of? Who are you trying to benefit from and for what cause? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Well, that's plain, isn't it? I'm no enemy of God. Would Solomon say, I'm no enemy of God. I love the Lord. I'm walking after the statutes. I'm sacrificing, making a treaty with the world. What's You see that blind spot there? So easily we can get so excited about 1 Kings chapter 3 that we miss these things. They're so subtle. How subtle are they in our own lives? You know, uh, you know, church, 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 Monday, uh, Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday, Wednesday, do, do, do. And then in between, our little affiliations, our little alliances. In 1 John chapter 2, if you would please. 1 John chapter 2. God help us. Chapter 2 and verse 15 through 17. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. More plain language. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Why in the world would Solomon need a treaty with another nation 
when the Lord said he was the refuge of Israel. He was the defense and bulwark of Israel. Why? What did he need in Egypt? Ask that, I asked that to my own self. What, what am I going to get out of this world? Will sports, will politics, will, will staying updated on Fox News and Newsmax and all, is that, is that going to help me? Well, is there a Newsmax crown I can throw down at the feet of Lord Jesus Christ or a, a, a Second Amendment crown I can throw down? Right. I enjoy watching the Cincinnati Bengals play football. They can't even get their own championship, let alone something that holds weight in eternity. Right. Clubs, businesses, work. Now, work's important. we got to work. you got to gotta provide for your family. But men, specifically, if we're working so much that we're not present home leaders and leading in the things of the Lord, and there's neglect there, well, maybe we've struck a treaty with the world rather than being the husbands and dads that we ought to be. What do we give up to be included in the world? I don't Pastor Randy Hill understand if I'm not there. i got this family reunion going on. Oh, Pastor Larry, he'll understand. I, you know, I never get a vacation, and this, 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 man, I gotta go. Well, Brother Joe, you know, I, 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 I just, I just, I just can't do it. You know, I, I've worked so hard. I just need a day for me. What things? What compromises? What affinity to the world do we do we take on willingly as a blind spot to us? Thinking that we're just okay. We're, we're, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be. To, I'm not like that guy. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Aren't I religious? Compromising and making treaties with the world, the children of God, always loses. Always. The Lord made promises specific to Israel about making affinity with the world, treating with the world. Did he mention anything that was going to be good that would come from it? No, no. He is gracious. He did promise that he would restore them in their repentance, and I thank God for that. May we have such mirrors that we draw on repentance from these blind spots. What else? If you would, please. Also notice in verse 1, he had affinity with Pharaoh, king of Egypt. He took Pharaoh's daughter and brought her into the city of David. In addition to having a spiritual blind blind spot of allegiance with this present world, he also had a blind spot of a drawing lust, didn't he? Oh, he didn't just get a treaty out of the deal. A woman was involved. Solomon took the daughter of Egypt. Now, people have all kinds of ridiculous spiritual blind spots of lust. It, It might be that you're not drawn away of a of the opposite sex. It could be any number of things. But things nonetheless, lust of the flesh, including all manner of relationships, it could be a uh, this relationship or that relationship is drawing you away or, or you're making it okay to have these relationships right. rather, rather than simply being satisfied in the commands of God Almighty. Right. Oh, I can be a child of God six days a week, but I really like hanging out with the old high school chum on day number seven. I, I really enjoy going down here and watching the game at the bar with the folks and all these kinds of things. Drawing away of lust. 
It could be money, possessions, it, whatever your lust is. I don't know you. You don't know me. But I know you got lust because I know you're a human being. The lust in relationships, the lust of the eyes, desiring all manner of evil. Turn back, if you would, to the book of James. You know, what can I get out of this and still be okay, the natural man says. That's what David said, right? When he was in his palace and the men were off to war and he was looking off his, his balcony there and he was he was lusting, isn't that what he said? Well, I can get away with this. I can do this. It's, it only hurts a few people. James chapter 1 and verse 13. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, Amen. neither tempteth he any man. Right. I, I can't... You know, I, I can't go out and act like an idiot and then say, well, it was the providence of God. Although it was, I am ultimately responsible for my actions. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Don't dangle those enticements in front of yourselves. Don't have that spiritual blind spot that you're going to monkey around with and play with sin. Right. That's, he invited it into his own house is what he did. You know, there's been times where I've let people in my house through television. I wouldn't let them in the house with a gun on them. And I exposed my family to that stuff at times. Y'all ever been there? Lust. Oh, I want to, I want part of this present world in my life, in my view, in my mind. Lust. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Sorrow, pain, agony, woe death the pride of life simply thinking I can get away with it because of grace you know what that is it's antinomianism because of grace I can live however I want well I don't live like that Solomon I don't live like that I love the Lord I I, I walk in daddy's statutes I make sacrifices I can do whatever I want because I'm the king and I believe grace and I can marry a daughter of Pharaoh and strike a treaty with the world you see that blind spot Right. So easy, so easy to come into our lives. May it be exposed and, and refused at this very hour. It, it, in your mind, as you're running through things and trying to justify yourself like I did when I was studying and still doing measure, I want you to know and hear what the Lord's, what Paul wrote to the, the churches in Galatia. Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 and 8. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Brother Joe and I were talking uh, recently, and and well, I agreed with him uh, uh, that the, the Lord sends that tends to have us on a short leash, doesn't he, brother? I, I've, I've been chasing when I think things. I don't know how, how quickly you're chasing, but I've been chasing when I think things. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap everlasting life. What was Solomon reaping in this blind spot of lust? What was he hoping to get out of it, you would say? I mean, he was an intentional thing that he did. Did he, in knowing uh, the law of Moses as he was commanded in chapter 2, did he all of a sudden realize that it was wrong, uh, that it was all of a sudden okay to do these things? Is it okay? Well, based on circumstances, Solomon might have said to himself, I'm okay to do this, just like I do, just like you do, spiritual blind spots. What was also a third, and this is where we'll go, the third 
spiritual blind spot Solomon had. He he had a mixed mashing of religion. A mixed mashing of religion. What in the world is that? A mixed mash is a confused collection or mixture. Okay. Look again, if you would please, and you, and you see it there in verse two. Only the people sacrificed in high places because there was no house built unto the name of the Lord until those days. It says in verse 3, the, the, the second part, only he sacrificed and burnt incense in high places. And then you see also in verse 4, and the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place. Repetition in the word of God brings emphasis. It draws emphasis. Three times you see there high places, high places, high places. Now if you continue reading through 1 Kings chapter 3, you would find out that First, uh, that, that the ark was in Jerusalem. And after the Lord grants wisdom to Solomon, he takes his sacrifices away from the high places and he goes to Jerusalem where the ark of God is, which is pretty great that he did. But having them in the high places there was ultimately a dangerous thing. The high places were open-air worship centers, and they were prone to inviting Canaanite practices of all sorts. Okay, It was literally a mixed-match religion. A confusion, a collection, a mixture. You could see a, a, a God to this, a God to that. It was the Old Testament version of Morris Hill, what Solomon was doing. Oh, but he loved the Lord. Oh, but he walked after the statutes of Daddy. Oh, he burnt his offerings. You know, there's a lot of people who are saved, but they're, they're bringing their spiritual calves of their lips, offerings unto, unto a mixed match, confusing religion, aren't they? And there's children of God that lock arms with them, too. That I, I believe, I believe this, uh, we can learn from this, children of God. This comes in many forms. You know, there's an ecumenical movement right now pre- promoting unity related to the so-called Christendom, all, all types of Christianity. There's a movement... Oh, yeah, we, we all serve the same God and just lock arms and, and sing Kumbaya. Michael rode the boat ashore. And, you know, there are some people in Sovereign Grace circles that have uh, accepted this stuff, too, going to going to meetings that they shouldn't be going to and, and having fellowships with people they shouldn't be going to. That's dangerous. That's very dangerous. We don't serve the same God. If someone... If someone presents themselves and says they have any trust in themselves at all, what they have done, they don't serve the God that saved my soul. He didn't make a bad man good. He made a dead man live. And I didn't, you know, Reformation, you, you turn over a dead leaf. You know what you got? You got a dead leaf. Right. Still. But Solomon, all these different religions, all these different works. You know, these reformed people, such as, and I'm mentioning his name, John MacArthur, he, he said some things that, you know, you're like, oh, yeah, that's true. But you know what? He didn't come up with that stuff. He actually stole it from proper Sovereign Grace Landmark Missionary Baptist, who Jesus Christ handed these things to and said, you are my church and the gates of hell won't prevail against you, and I'll be with you to the end of the age. Presumptive Christianity, thinking everybody's saved because they say they are. You know, that would be a spiritual blind spot. You know, there's polls that say that about 70% of the people in America are children of God. Do you believe that? No. In John chapter 6, the multitude went away. There was, 11, there was 12 left, and one of them was a devil. I believe when the Lord says remnant, he means remnant. And when I think remnant, that's a remnant. Right. 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 
spot. Spiritual blind spot. Don't be deceived. Turn over if you would, if you would please, to Second John. Don't be deceived. Ha- examine. Don't don't have a blind spot. Don't have a mixed mash acceptance of of just everyone who says they are. They are. Who's the old preacher says? If you is what you was, you ain't. You ever heard that before? Second John uh, verse nine is only one chapter. Whosoever transgresseth or continues in their natural state of sin and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ, the bodily manifestation of the Son of God in His death, burial, and resurrection, hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house. Don't set up a shrine next to him and say, well, we're, we differ on these few things. But you say you're a child of God, and that's okay. Receive them not. Right, right. Receive them not. Neither bid him Godspeed. Don't encourage him. Well, I, you know, I, I don't have to bring them in, but I don't want to be mean and nasty to them. Don't be mean and nasty. Don't encourage them in any way. Right. For he that biddeth him Godspeed is partaker of his evil deeds. Right. Mark that verse. Not only was Solomon buddy-buddy mix-mashing religion, he's actually advocating for Molech and all these other sorts. He's telling the nation, as the king, he's telling the nation, these things are okay. How's that for a blind spot? You know, we've got great responsibility, children of God. You pull up to a red light and you you know, you got all this horrible music playing on, on, on your radio. Somebody just heard that, and they say, okay, well, it must be okay, because old so-and-so, he says he trusts God, he loves God, he walks after the statutes of the Lord, and he's listening, so it must be okay. Now you're a partaker of their evil because you just condoned it. What did Solomon do? How about What a blind spot. Presumptive Christianity. You know, even... Even the, the songs that we sing, you know, the, we just sang Love Lifted Me, He Your Savior Wants to Be. What kind of... Yeah. And we have it marked out in our song. That, that, that's not the God that saved me. He wasn't, he wasn't pleading and begging and wringing His hands. He imposed His will on me. He interrupted me. Right. So even in, our, even in our song services, we must be diligent and careful. Yeah. Yeah. What, what, what's an idol but a false representation of deity? And that's exactly what Solomon was was keen to in those days as idols. We have to be super careful of those blind spots. I was talking to a pastor. They, they were having special services not long ago. And he brought up a song. Well, you know how sometimes you sing a song in one book and the words are different in another book? Well, he, he mentioned the song and it was in another book. And then they threw in one of these verses in there that was just rank. And it bothered him. It kept him up all night. As it should have. And he apologized to the church. As you should have. Children of God, these things are so important. You know, I, I, you know, as we sing, there's a lot of people that have a lot more wisdom than I do in this room. I, I, I'm, I'm one of the least. But if we do these things and embrace these things and let these things go, and, and my young ones over here who don't know any different, they're going to perceive that these things are okay, just like they did in Israel in 1 Kings chapter 3, no doubt. Right. Blind spots. Do you have any blind spots? And I didn't mention all of them. These are just the three general ones that I see in the text here. Do you have any spiritual blind spots? Well, in generality, I, I think that everyone has probably been touched or affected by these things. In fact, all three of these things I am guilty of, and I admit that. 
May God help us that we would that we would seek Him for cleansing. First John, chapter one. That we confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do you desire cleansing? Or are you comfortable in your blind spot? Do you like it? Are those things that are because you know you, you, you say you love the Lord and you're walking and you're here and rejoicing and how wonderful it is to hear the, the volume of the, these voices echo in song and, and triumph in the, in the gospel of Jesus Christ? Are we so comfortable in those things that we are willing to let the blind spots slide? Solomon's blind spots, even in all his wisdom, what happened? 1 Kings chapter 11. I want you to see how these things just grew and grew. They grew. Look look at this. It's the same things that we address, uh, that are addressed in verse uh, chapter 3, that are just addressed in chapter 11. Look, look at how this plays out. But Solomon... It just it plays out that uh, these blind spots, allegiance with the world, drawing of lust, and mixed mashing of religion. But King Solomon loved many strange women, together with the daughter of Pharaoh, many of the Moabites and Ammonites, Edomites and Zidonians, Hittites, and the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, You shall not go into them, neither shall you make, uh, neither shall they come in unto you, for surely they will turn your heart. After their gods, Solomon clave unto these in love. But I love them. It doesn't care what you. It doesn't matter what you love. You can love a dog. You can love ten women or ten men. That doesn't matter. What does God say? Love is. If you love me, keep my commandments. That's what He says. Love is. And He had seven hundred wives, princesses, and three hundred concubines. And his wives turned away his heart. See what blind spots do? They ruin your life. They ruin your witness, children of God. For it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. For Solomon went after Ashtaroth, the goddess of the Zidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. And Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord, and went not fully after the Lord, as did his David his father. Then did Solomon build a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, in the hill that is before Jerusalem in the face of the ark, and for Molech, the abomination of the children of Ammon. And likewise did he for all his strange wives, which burnt incense and sacrificed unto their gods. And the Lord was angry with Solomon, not unto eternal judgment. But you know the Lord does chasten his people, doesn't he? It's possible the children of God can make God angry. Sometimes we forget that. And again, not unto eternal judgment. I love my children. Sometimes they make me good and hot. Can you relate? Because his heart was turned from the God, Lord God of Israel, which had appeared unto him twice, not once, twice. And had commanded him concerning this thing, that he should not go after other gods, but he kept not that which the Lord commanded. Wherefore the Lord said unto Solomon, For as much as this is done of thee, and thou hast not kept my covenant and my statutes which I have commanded thee, I will surely rend the kingdom from thee, and will give it to thy servant. You know, you don't have a kingdom. You're not a king in Israel. Neither am I. All right. For the sake of your blind spots, the allegiance of this world, the drawing of lust, the mix-mashing of religion, what are you willing to have rent from you? 
home, family, health, what? What is okay for you to lose because you have blind spots? What is okay? It would be quite easy to focus on the good things of Solomon. Oh, how Solomon loved the Lord. Oh, how Solomon walked upright. Oh, how Solomon pointed to Christ and his sacrifices. But in such small things, we can see, it, you know, as, as I said before, it, it's easy to go down and start reading about the dream and the blessing of wisdom. It's easy to go down, oh man, he had the, the cutting of the baby in half. Oh, what great wisdom. It's easy to overlook these blind spots, isn't it? You, you men, you ever miss a spot shaving and you realize it at work or when you're out in your day? I guess every boy goes through it. Lex had a span for a while. He doesn't do it anymore, so I'm not trying to presently embarrass him. But there was a time where he was forgetting to put deodorant on on a regular basis. Blind spots. Allegiance with this present world, drawing of lust, and mixed matching of religion. Everybody's Christian just because they said they are. It was Solomon's downfall. Are you smarter than Solomon? He was the smartest man, wisest man that ever lived. That's what the Bible says. Are you better than him? He's, he wrote books in the Bible. Do you know more than him? Can you manage your blind spots better than he did? Children of God, draw unto the Lord. Repent. Repent and draw unto the Lord, trusting him. Do what he says. And by the word of God, adjust those mirrors so you can see your blind spots. Lest great tragedy come upon you. Again, the Lord will not be mocked. Mind your spiritual blind spots. If Solomon could be taken off guard, blow the kingdom and be turned in spiritual blindness, take heed. Repent. And again, I say this to myself. Sinner, your whole life is one big blind spot. You think you're okay. You think you're the only person on the road, no need for a mirror, you're just cruising along. Well, you've got a rude awakening coming for you. You meet God of your own self according to this present world drawn of your own lust and your own form of religion where you exalt yourself as the most high because you're okay before him you'll be judged for it and spend eternity in the lake of fire I encourage you to repent believe on the Lord Jesus Christ his death, burial, resurrection and be saved may the Lord bless the preaching of his word Amen. brother